Hello, welcome to the Poetry Bath with me, Sean Thomas. In this episode, I will be meeting the Danish writer, artist and translator, Camilla Jørgensen, whose work I first heard at the European Poetry Festival last year, which, if you're listening to this episode in the future, was 2023. And what I loved about Camilla's work was her playfulness and also the way that she challenged a lot of my assumptions about poetry and the world. And so I asked her to come on. And yes, so here she is. It is an absolute joy to welcome you to the Poetry Bar. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Um, now, Camilla, you came to poetry in, a, in quite an interesting way. I believe you your first degree was in sculpture. Is that correct? Um, I actually started um, studying literary studies in the university. And... Um, working in uh, publishing for 10 years maybe um and i always wanted to be a writer but it i couldn't um, write something that i was happy with so i thought if i um, started to with uh, try to became a, um studying uh, visual art maybe it was a way in to write something more conceptual. So uh, I studied sculpture in, in the academy also. So, so you started sculpture in order to find a way into writing, is that right? Yes, yes, that's correct. That's amazing. Yes, but also to, to um, write something else, something more conceptual, um, more visual, um, I don't know. Some I, I wasn't quite sure, but I thought it could maybe uh, get me away from the more traditional way of writing prose, which uh, wasn't my thing. <laughs> so what then was your thing? What were your early loves in terms of writers? Who were you reading back then? Um, I think something happened... Actually, when I saw an exhibition in uh, in uh, Central Pompidou for many years ago with epistemic um, writing, because then I understood there was a connection between um, uh, visual art and writing that I really hadn't seen before. Um, so that sort of pushed me in the direction of visual art, because I... Um, I, I can't uh, draw or anything, so I'm not uh, good with my hands. <laughs> so it was uh, something that I have never thought of to become a, a, become a visual artist. It sounds as though you're interested in fluidity and into in the the spaces between 
the genres between the between the disciplines between visual art and writing um, and I, I got that very strongly from your work that you like to inhabit this strange other world uh, you talked about being inspired by, by asemic writing um, mm. which uh, for for listeners who don't know is is writing that takes that 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 removes itself from meaning it yes. uses language but it plays with language and makes us aware of the sounds and the and the textures and the way that language appears the way that we can play with language mm. um and i want to ask you in a minute about your your sense of play and fun because i think it's i suspect it's very important to you in your work mm. i'm completely talking over you now <laughs> no no it's 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 correct it yeah the you mean the humor? Um, yes. Yes. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Very strong. Um, yeah. could, actually, should we move? Should you, could you say something about your uh, your use of humor in your writing, please? Um, actually, I I don't know how to put it because uh, it just happens. I think. <laughs> uh, um, I th I think um, it's. Uh, because I want to get away from that um, uh, very serious literature. And uh, it's also a way not to um, uh, to talk about yourself in a, in a more relaxed way or the writing in a more relaxed way. And then I just, uh, I'd like to read literature with humor. I, I actually cannot think of a, writer that I like that has no humor <laughs> so I suppose uh, I suppose that's why but I don't um, it's it's not where I, I don't start with the humor I start with the concept more I usually write um, something in connection with a sculpture or uh, a video or something uh, an exhibition so my my writing is all I, I almost always make a book but in connection with a sculpture for example or an exhibition would you give us a poem then please camilla yes maybe i can start with um it's a it's a reading from a, a long poem book that is called bark which is both a visual poem and a sound poem and um, and it's translated from Danish by Philip Shields. And um, uh, yeah, I'm reading the preface and then I'm playing something for you. A downy birch stands in my garden, 420 centimeters tall, with a base circumference of 16 centimeters. It has black lines in its bark called lenticels, from Latin lenticularis, small lens, or raised paws. The paws of this particular tree are inscribed in these pages in a scale of one to one. The tree in this book should be read from the bottom up, which I imagine is the correct reading direction for a tree. The trunk is oldest at the bottom. This is the tree's first page. But really, it can be read any way you choose, from the top downwards or from the bottom up, or one or another way round. 
I've made a vertical delineation of the trunk to separate the text and enable it to lay flat on the pages. Lenticels are found in many kinds of bark, but against the white skin of the birch, the black pores are particularly distinct and resemble writing on paper. In summer, they function as windows, creating an oxygen exchange between the interior of the trunk and the surrounding air. In winter, the tree closes them. The breathing windows echo racial poetry articulation. The black, black bars on the white background recall Manway's poem Optique, Lautgedicht, Optical Poem, Vocal Poem from 1924. Or Marcel Boutard's homage to Stephanie Malamé's poem Une cop de déchamée ne bolira le hissard. A throne of the dice will never abolish change from 1897. Rutas crossed out Malamy's words and transformed the poet into an abstract image that still appears as language and called it Une cop de déchamée na bolirale image, 1969. Birch bark is well suited to writing. There are numerous examples of Asian Buddhist texts and letters in Russian on birch bark. The oldest known text is from the 13th century in Finnish, but the birch also writes in, on itself, tattooing its skin in a radical form of self-annihilation, a black sensor bar, an erasure technique also called redaction that brings to mind the censoring of secret stamped documents, a diary or, or a long poem written in exemic writing or an oral poem drawn by the inn and exhalations of the tree read by the wind. And now I have a strip of paper with holes where the lenticels of my birch tree is placed. So this piece of paper resembles a piece of the bark of the tree. And I'm sticking this piece of, of uh, birch bark into a music box so you can hear the poem of the birch bark. Wonderful. And um, so, so what did, what was the piece that you did at the end? It's um it's a it's a strip of paper um that is uh, where I have drawn the the birch my birch tree uh, the and then where the lenticels are there uh, I have um, cut holes. And when I put it into the music machine, um, it makes music because the, the holes are lacking. One of the things that I loved in that piece was when you said that the the tree needed to be should be read from the bottom up. And and it, it's lovely because I hadn't, of course, thought about about reading trees in that way. And I, I think that this is 
one of the things that you strive to do in in your work is to make us look at um at uh something like a tree and say hang on a minute it's a book but it needs to be read this way um, mm. that you like making a book of the world yes yeah i guess you can say that <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is really lovely and then also going back to your use of hu of humor you then say but it doesn't have to be like that you know you don't don't which is something that i really love about asemic and 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 visual writers that mm. there is this lack of dogma because you're working against dogma because you're working against logos a lot of the time um and and strict interpretations of lang of lang of 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 words of language mm. so there's there is a move towards saying but it doesn't really matter you know of course you should but if you don't if you don't you don't have to you can read it from the top down if you want to it's it's yeah. both things are fine yes because who's to decide? <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> um, so, so tell me, because there's another uh, subject that I think is a theme that's really close to your heart that came up in that poem, which is erasure. Yeah. Can you tell me, please, a little about how you feel about erasure? um i think uh, the the fascination is more the thing that there is nothing there or it's trying to eliminate language and or there will be very little there um so it's more an idea than actually writing uh and um i think it's it's a it's it's a beautiful when things are very small and doesn't feel so much not so much text but just a little bit of text that is explaining a lot or is um, just beautiful <laughs> and or just an idea that is not to be written but um, that uh, that is there in the work but you can't see it in 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 the text uh, because there's no text. It's just erasure. The ghost of it is still there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Would you, do you, do you have another poem that speaks to that, please, Camilla? Um, yeah, it's from the collection Blank Verse that I had translated into English in connection with the European Poetry Festival, where I think you were. Yeah. yeah? In London. And it's uh, called White Monochrome. An author sets out to write a work devoid of images, illusions, representations, figures, characters, composition, references, containing no narrative, effects, quality, associations, symbols, conclusions, sensationalism, free from author narcissism, pathos, internal jokes, political attitudes, quotes, metaphors, repetitions, transcendence, abstraction, metaphysics, allegories, connotations, myth, drama, climax, concept, meaning, ide ideology, and history. 
The work is printed on white paper inside a white cover to be read in an empty white room, allowing the reader to concentrate in all their attention on the poetic iciness of the work. It's wonderful. Just such a lovely idea, isn't it? That that uh, that you would have writing that is that that sets out not to be writing, not to make any meaning, but also not to do anything, and yeah. then it's printed in white. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely. <laughs> So uh, when when did when did you because I, I this is such a, a strong thing I'm like, I I jotted down you had an exhibition called uh, full stop close parenthesis exclamation mark uh, quotes uh, colon close parenthesis dash semicolon question mark exclamation mark which which you describe as an exhibition an exhibition in and against the written language. Yes, actually, that was a group uh, exhibition. So it wasn't my exhibition. There was a lot of uh, authors. Um, uh, yeah, but I have a. I had a, my first exhibition was a an exhibition called Full Stop. That was that was only um, full stops in it. So I I just uh, I tried to make. The idea of the full stop in uh, in videos and uh, painting and um, uh, drawings and sculpture. So it, I should sort of build the whole museums of the full stops. And my dreams was to make an exhibition of, of um, many of the of the of the science in in language. But um, I'm very drawn to. Um, Get to Strand's uh, poetry and and grammar, where she uh, she um, talks uh, highly of the full stop and actually thinks that all of the other uh, signs are, are no good. It's only <laughs> one stop that matters. You have to use. <laughs> I read your you you quote her on your website. You quote that piece from Gertrude yes. on your yeah. website. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I so I, I was it Gertrude Stein who got you into full stops? Who made you interested in full stops? Mm, um, I think so. Yes, I'm not sure. I don't did so many years ago, but uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. So what what is it about full stops that that delights you? It's because it's a sign that uh, is uh, abstract. The quotation mark, for example, it can only mean itself, but the the full stop can mean uh, it can move from uh, mathematics to um, to the universe, uh, like planets, and uh, and uh, be in abstract uh, geometric form in painting and and things. So it's a, a sign that means many things and nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Gertrude Stein, you, I, I I know so little about Gertrude Stein. So would you, where where should I start? Um, I think with her poetry and grammar essay, um, which is very beautiful and very easy to read. Um, 
and where she talks about all the science in uh, in in language and and um, and she's also very you know she wants to decide she wants to tell you that full stop is the only sign so you don't have to listen to her like that but um but uh, i think it's a beautiful piece and a, a strange way to think language which i really adore um yeah i actually made a, a performance also by that piece where i read it aloud the 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 piece that talks about full stop and and when i get to a full stop i i hammer it uh, the full stop with a nail <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a performance it sounds like fun <laughs> Well, I think uh, that's probably all we have time for in this episode, but um, I think you will come back and join me again. Camilla Jorensen, thank you very much for joining me in the Poetry Bath, and I look forward to speaking to you again in the next episode. Thank you. <laughs> listening to The Poetry Bath with me, Sean Thomas, and my guest, Camilla Jørgensen. Our theme tune was composed and performed by Nigel Horn, and there will be more of Camilla's work and more conversation around it in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. Mm-hmm.